Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to the Channel Journeys podcast. I am Rob Spee, your cycling and sailing fanatic and host of Channel Journeys. What a great sight Sunday before last to see American cyclist Sepp Kuss win La Vuelta. That is the grand cycling tour of Spain. That fired me up to get back on the bike. I took a pretty long break after completing Ragbri. Why does it take so much longer to get back in shape than to lose it? Well, now I'm feeling the pain of going from being in the front of the pack to having to hang out in the back to catch my breath, but it'll come back. I'm also catching my breath with all the action taking place at Beyond Trust, where we are working on a strong close to the quarter, while at the same time building out our 2024 go-to-market plans. I'm sure you guys are all experiencing the same dynamics. One of the questions we're asking ourselves is, what role will distribution play for us next year? As you look at your partner ecosystem, are you expecting enough from your distributors, or are you still even deciding whether or not to even have a two-tier model? A great source of information on distribution is the GTDC, that's the Global Technology Distribution Council. They recently released a research report called the Innovation Enablement Guide, highlighting how distributors can provide a cost-effective route to market and accelerate the adoption and sales growth of emerging technologies. Joining me today to discuss that report is Frank Vitagliano. He is the CEO of the GTDC. Frank has a, a really an impressive career in the channel. He has held VP channel roles at IBM, Juniper, and Dell, and he was the CEO of a global IT services provider before he joined the GTDC. Before we dive into distribution, I want to give a shout out to Impartner, the sponsor of Channel Journeys. Building a partner ecosystem requires a powerful partner management solution. Having a global user base of over 4 million partners, Impartner is recognized as the global leading provider of partner management technologies. Impartner specializes in cutting edge solutions for partner relationship management and partner marketing automation. Their platform is built around best practices and sophisticated automation, enabling partner teams like yours to quickly move from program operations to maximum time to value. All right, are you ready to hear how distribution can accelerate innovation and sales growth? Let's go. Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey, Frank, good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Hey, Rob. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Frank, you are the CEO of the GTDC. So let's just start there for folks who aren't familiar with your organization. Tell us a little bit more about the Global Technology Distribution Council and what you guys do. Yeah, so we're a nonprofit trade association. Ben was established roughly 20 years ago by a group of the distributors. And essentially, our role then and our role now is very similar, is to promote and educate the marketplace on the work that distribution does, the importance of their role in the overall IT ecosystem, and obviously the value of, you know, of that work. When GTDC first got started, you know, the distributors were, I would argue, kind of new to the space because, you know, back then... It was really all about, you know, the suppliers providing product, you know, through solution providers to end users. 
distribution was in place, but it, it wasn't you know that active, that well known. In addition, uh, none of the companies at the time were public; they were all private. And so, a big part of the role back then was to talk to Wall Street about the role that distribution was playing and how important you know that role was. Since then, that's not as important because it's become very well known. Companies have been public, gone private, etc. But now, what we do is we spend a lot of time educating other folks in the marketplace, but the bulk of my time is spent with the supplier community. Okay. Both legacy suppliers who've been working with DISTI for a long time that, you know, continually have needs that are evolving and distribution, you know, it works hard to meet those needs. And we also spend a lot of time with emerging technology companies that are figuring out how to go to market and how can distribution help me go to market. Is that a free service that you offer or they pay a subscription to get that advice? No, it's free. It's, you know, as I said, we're a nonprofit and, you know, we generate our ability through our member dues. And we also have a relationship with three companies that gather POS data, uh, two in Europe context and GFK, one in North America, IDC, who everybody you know has heard of. Essentially, uh, those companies gather the POS data from our members, and then they sell the service, sell the information to the vendor community, to the supplier community, and we get royalties from that. So from that, that's how we fund our, our nonprofit. Okay, gotcha. Well, there's been a lot of change in the channel and in distribution over the last 20 years. I was working for Avad with Arrow. I think, man, it's about 15 years now since I got involved in that, did that for about five years. And, you know, we're always talking about what What is the role of VAD? Is there a role for VAD? We've got a two-tier strategy at Beyond Trust. I firmly believe there is a very strong role for the VAD, but it is evolving. And all that traditional value is still there, but there's a lot of new things that, that the DISTIs are doing for us today. And you guys recently released a report, the Innovation Enablement Guide. And I thought it'd be really interesting to to start off maybe with that, re that report that you guys did and some of the findings that you found. And I'm kind of intrigued that it was even called the Innovation Guide that you're honing in on the DISTI's role in innovation, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because we spent a lot of time thinking about what the right, you know, title should be for the report, right? Because here's the thing, you know, when you think about innovation in the IT space, typically you think about, you know, what the suppliers are are doing, right? You think about the folks that are, you know, creating the next wave of technology. And you and I both know there's a laundry list of things that are part of that, right? But AI right now is certainly at the top of the list, but there's tons of other areas, you know, whether it's hyper-converged infrastructure, 3D printing and imaging, you know, machine learning, robotics, you know, VRAR, et cetera. There's a laundry list. And so the the whole focus on this report is that, this is a time that's, I think, unprecedented relative to the innovation that is happening. And innovation is interesting and required, but the key to all of that is how do you get it to market, right? And I've worked with a number of vendors, you know, three in, in my lifetime, IBM, Juniper, and Dell, three really quality companies. And regardless of what product or what innovation or technology that, that they had created or started, you still needed to be the go-to-market plan, a go-to-market strategy around it, because it just isn't a function of build it and they will come. So what we decided to do is well, let's step back and 
look at all the innovation and agree that that clearly we are in an unprecedented time and then think about what are all the activities that sometimes get overlooked that distributors are doing to help enable that innovation and then accelerate it into the marketplace, right? That was the whole focus of the report. Where did the research for the report come from? Oh, a number of different areas. We spent a lot of time talking to the distributors and really digging into areas. Uh, and, you know, Rob, you know, because you spent time in the distributor landscape, there are really smart people in specialized business units that exist in every one of our, you know, major member distributors, right? So, you know, they'll have people that are very well versed in, for example, security, cybersecurity is a great, great example. You know, you can't count the number of, you know, cybersecurity companies that are out there. Every week, there's more coming. There's a new one, yeah. Yeah, and somebody has to sort through all of that, right? There has to be some entity that actually understands what the product is, understands how it's be used, tests it with other products to build an actual solution. Distribution has specialized units that do that, right? Every one of our member distributors in some form or fashion do that. Some more specifically, you know, in one area or another, but they all have some capabilities. So we spent a lot of time talking to our distributors about, you know, what do they think about as it relates to, you know, helping drive innovation into the marketplace. We also spent time with the supplier community, right? And the actual folks that are creating a lot of the, the innovation that we're talking about. And what we developed was a list of activities that we want the suppliers to think about as they attempt to go to market, because in a lot of cases, the, a lot of these things are just assumed that they'll happen and that they don't take, you know, people actually working it with a level of expertise to implement it into the, into the marketplace. Yeah. Has this then, this is representing an, an increased skill level, I assume, within the DISD as well. You talked about these specialized business units. They've got to gain a lot of technology knowledge with all these new like cybersecurity solutions that are coming out just weekly. It is. And they're constantly doing it. And, and that's one of the reasons why, and, and I'm sure this was in place when you were there, but it's part of the evolution of distribution that they, in a lot of cases, went to these specialty product or technology areas, right? So most every distributor that you talk to, certainly the ones that are members of GTDC, they've got specialized groups. So, you know, if you want to understand, you know, what's hot and what's working and what you should be thinking about in the area of cybersecurity, there is a specialized group within the big distributors uh, and even the smaller ones that can do that. AI is now obviously emerging extraordinarily quickly and a number of distributors are providing you know expertise around that but you know rob when you sit back and you look at it it's really all part of the evolution that's taken place over the years with distribution right because you know 30 years ago when distribution really kind of got started early 90s kind of thing it was basically a bank in a warehouse that's what it was it was you know financing now that's still important. And so people don't want to hear that from particularly from an old school guy like me. It's like, oh yeah, we'll try to go to market without the function of bank and a warehouse, right? The distribution provide. But it's so much more than that, right? So, you know, as the nineties unfolded into the two thousands, you started seeing 
other activities and from a supplier standpoint. So at that time I was with IBM, I looked to my distributors to do a hell of a lot more than just, you know, provide me financing and floor planning and, and a warehouse capability when I needed it. I looked for demand generation capability. I looked for helping them, you know, find solution providers that could help me get to market. I looked for technical support. I looked for global support. I mean, you know, all the, I could go through a laundry list that would make people's eyes glaze over as to what he does. But the fact of the matter is they've had to continue to evolve. And now we're seeing the next sort of phase of that evolution that sort of, sort of started in, you know, I want to say 15, 16, when cloud started to become significant, right? And, and now what you see is based off that, you see the specialized units, which were kind of always evolving. Now they're even more important than ever. But in addition to that, you see a whole bunch of other services being provided and over time, that's all going to be done off a platform. That'll be an automated platform that ties, you know, all three key aspects. It ties the supplier to distributor and their customer, the solution provider, all in one seamless, you know, sort of link. And that will not only, you know, enable uh, innovation to continue to take place, but it will also streamline business process. And that's a big deal, right? Uh, be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to dive into that maybe a little bit later and kind of contrast that with the marketplaces that are coming out and the, and the different roles uh, that we have there. So talking about innovation and, and some of the things that DISTIs are doing, let's dive into some of those that you uncovered in the report uh, and through the research. And some of them are kind of traditional, but I think they're on steroids now of things that DISTIs used to be doing. They are. So you're right. And some of them you would look at it and say, eh, pretty basic, you know, distributors. But what's interesting is, you know, when you talk to a legacy supplier, there are certain things that they have needed for a long time, continue to need, and will always need. But then they'll start looking at, well, as their business changes and as it goes to a more of a SaaS, you know, kind of a model, what other services do distributors provide? And then when you step back and you look at emerging technology companies, it's really interesting because you're almost starting from scratch, right? And you're kind of like, and they don't know because as you probably know, a lot of the emerging technology companies are really smart technical people that have developed a product, but they really haven't figured out how to market it, how to go to market, how to manage all that. So when you look at some of the activities, augmenting and driving the sales activities, a lot of people don't understand, and I know you do, the sheer amount of people that distribution has in the ecosystem selling supplier products. I mean, there's thousands of them when you add up all the distributors, and certainly within GTDC. And, you know, our distributors, we estimate, are probably selling probably $200 billion of product. Getting, you know, so there's that. Addressing the skilled, the labor shortage. As everybody knows, it's probably one of the number one and number two issues. If you talk to people in the IT space, it's skilled folks. This is a big deal. And the reason this is a big deal and sometimes gets overlooked is because many of the solution providers who are trying to figure out how to grow their business and build their business, when they start making investments in practices, so a cybersecurity practice, for example, it's not easy to go out and find two or three people to come in 
and be part of a cybersecurity practice and help run it. In fact, it's very hard, one, to find the skills and two, to fund it, right? Distribution provides that kind of a service. In fact, more and more, they are uh, developing, it's not so much a head shop kind of thing, but it's expert folks that are capable of providing services and they, and they bill it as a service in these areas. So in the past, a lot of the DISTI compensation was part of the hardware transaction, right? As I'm sure that was the case when you were at Arrow. Now that's changing because what's happening is probably 60% of what's happening today is services and support kind of activities. And so you got to separate that from the hardware. And so the distributors do that. And so one of the services that mostly all, many of them, mostly all of them will have is a, as an expert, you know, resource capability, right? Where you can augment what your skill set is with what DISTI can provide and, and support to you. That's a big one, Frank. And it's something that we're leaning on really heavily at Beyond Trust. And it's interesting, you know, you used to go to the, the GSI, the Global System Integrator, and they'd build their centers of excellence, right, that they would leverage and um, have solution labs and, and have this center that was used globally. Now I'm seeing our distributors do that. They're building the centers of excellence, and it's of huge value to us because of the labor shortages and, you know, the, the SaaS model. We don't want to be in that business, but we want to farm that out to the channel. And so to have our distributor building these centers of excellence where they can provide technical enablement to the partners. They can be a backup bench to the partners. They can do certifications for us with the partners. That's huge value for us. And we were never doing that back when I was in distribution. Yeah, and it is, and it's required. And part of the reason distribution has evolved into that, Rob, is, is bandwidth, right? In other words, they've got the financial and economic capability to do it, right? And it's hard and it's complicated, right? And, and the whole key here is nobody, nobody in the space is selling a product, right? That Those days are done, right? It's all about solution that solves, a, you know, creates a business outcome. And obviously the business outcome is intended to solve, you know, a business problem. And that's a huge value that distribution is now providing because any vendor, any one vendor product isn't solving anybody's issue. I maybe you can call up and get a PC shipped to you and you know, the rest of it is not an issue. But, you know, for the most part, it's all about a solution. And somebody has to have the expertise to be able to cobble all that together and provide all of the support. In addition to providing the solution and all the components of it, all of the support associated with it, and then all the wrappings, right? Which, as you said, you're now using. That kind of goes, a lot of folks just don't get that, right? And they also have to provide it in a way that is non-threatening. And what I mean by that is the distributors, you know, will never compete with their customers, right? Their customers are the solution providers. They will not compete with them. They'll partner with them and help get, you know, a product to market, but they won't compete with them. And that's a big deal. And, and you know, that's been, you know, a golden rule for the last 30 years and they won't violate that rule. And so you get a comfort level as a supplier of, okay, this distributor is going to help get my product into the hands of a solution provider who ultimately is selling to the end user. And they're going to do it in a way that works and makes sense. As a solution provider, and I spent two years, Rob, almost two years, 
running a, a fairly good sized solution provider. And the one thing I knew is that when I partnered with my distributor, it was a win-win situation, right? I mean, I, I might have to pay them to, to do work that needed to be done. But at the end of the day, I wasn't worried about I'm exposing my customer to, you know, somebody I shouldn't be exposing them to, right? So there's that. And then there's just a whole bunch of other more subtle kinds of items, like evaluating channel fit, like who are the right partners to help me get my product, you know, to market, right? What type of partners should I? What's the makeup of them? What, you know, and can you help me find them? Right? Things like that. Market insight, you know, in terms of looking at the overall TAM and trying to figure out where I focus and where I don't focus. Uh, and then the last piece that's really, really important is the whole area of, you know, sort of reducing complexity in the hard areas. And what I mean by that is, you know, billing, consolidated billing, consolidated collections, all of that stuff that most people just don't even think about, or they don't spend much time thinking about it. But the distributors just kind of make it go away because they're so good at it. And they've been doing it at scale for years upon years. But when you start thinking about it, even in the SaaS world, look at all of the subscriptions now that the different ones that are needed for a solution. There is no solution provider on the planet that wants to manage that themselves. Right? They, they want to end that to DISTI and say, just give me one consolidated billing you know, statement. right? And the distributors can do that. And, and they do do that. So you know, when you look at each one individually, you might say, eh, you know, that's not that big a deal. Or yeah, that's kind of old school. Or yeah, I might be able to do that. But when you look at it collectively and you look at all the pieces of it, you start to realize, boy, there really is a significant amount of activity that enables and accelerates the innovation that the supplier community wants to drive. And that was the premise for us, you know, building this paper and asking, you know, the vendor community to kind of look at it. And we've got tremendous feedback on it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, as you mentioned, it's accelerating innovation by getting innovation into the hands of the buyers faster. But innovation is also about that multi-product solution, right? And, and combining those solutions. So that's another role that they can play. What about the MSPs? And you even have some new MSP VADs that have come out, you know, over the years. They all tie into this and maybe even have a greater need for these services. They do. And it's becoming more and more prevalent. You know, I'm on the board of a relatively small MSP, about $10 million a year, but they're pure play, right? They, they totally outsource, you know, somebody's desktop, BDI format, et cetera. And, you know, it's interesting. They don't necessarily rely on the distributor much on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, because once they build the infrastructure and once they get it set up, then it, you know, becomes fairly routine. It becomes, you know, them managing, you know, the process with the customer. But what's happening is over time, their requirements, the customer requirements continue to evolve. And so as the customer decides, for example, to add, you know, 50% more, you know, users, right? Because maybe one of your customers went and bought, like the one that I'm on the board of focuses on insurance agencies, which there's a lot of consolidation going on. So all of a sudden, an agency buys another agency, buys another agency, and, you know, a 200-user entity goes to a 400-user entity. Well, those two other 200 users, 
now you got work to do, right? Now you got to get them outfitted. You got to get them, you know, you got to get them provisioned. You got to get them going. You got, and that's where the distributor plays a significant role, right? And what a lot of the MSPs are now realizing as they continue to grow is that there are services that distribution is providing that they need to take advantage of. So while it was in a lot of cases, the more traditional solution provider uh, who maybe had a little bit of an MSP business and a much bigger professional services, you know, right? In some cases, they want to call MSP so that, you know, it looked like it was reoccurring revenue, right? In a lot of cases, it wasn't, but you, you know that whole story. But now what's happening is the MSPs are now realizing, boy, distribution is really evolving in their capabilities in terms of things that I need. And so they're taking advantage of it. And it's much of the same activities. It's not that different, right? Except that it's now expanded to the point where you need it. I mean, I'll give you a great example. In our solution provider business, for the, some of the customers we had that were, you know, our managed service customers, and this was back, you know, 2017, 2018, they were continually asking me, you know, tell me if I'm entering into this cloud world the right way. You know, what's, what, what should be on-prem? What should be off-prem? How should I be doing this? Uh, and, and also, how does IoT work? And can you help me with that? Well, the first thing you say to your customer is, of course, I can help you with that. Right? You don't want to go anywhere else. Right. And then you sit back and you say, well, oh, my God, how am I going to help them with that? And typically what I found myself doing was pulling my distributor or distributors into it and getting help from them. That was transparent to, you know, my to the solution provider. But that's what we had to do. And a lot of that's beginning to go on now. Yeah. Shifting to cloud, the report mentions distribution as a cloud differentiator. There's a ton of buzz about the hyperscaler marketplaces, AWS, Azure, Google. How is distribution different in, in that regard? How is distribution a cloud differentiator? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, everybody has some form of a marketplace, you know, cloud marketplace, right? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the vendors have, you know, suppliers have, you know, some of it their own. Some of them, you know, they have product that lends itself to easily going and doing that. Many of them are working with a hyperscaler, you know, and, and they're all working with distribution in some form or fashion. And by the way, we've got a paper coming out on this exact topic because it is, it is confusing right now because people are trying to figure out what's the right approach, right? Well, how do I navigate all of that? And, and the answer, you know, becomes, well, what are you trying to accomplish, right? In other words, if you step back as a solution, as a supplier, and you're saying, well, I'm trying to get my product to market. Well, if it's a device and it lends itself to getting purchased, you know, online and getting, you know, provisioned and getting put into, you know, useful production easily, great. Anybody can go do it. Anybody can go get it. But when you're a small business, doing that and trying to put a solution together, it's, it's significantly harder. So what's happening today is what the distributors are doing, and, and this becomes the key, is they're developing these platforms. And the platforms include sort of an end-to-end -end approach to acquiring product, acquiring expertise, provisioning, back-end billing, collections, all the things that are part of you know, an installation. The hyperscalers don't want to do a lot of that, right? The hyperscalers aren't in that business. They're not in the business to, you know, provide the solution providers 
with a backroom, you know, set of capabilities. That That's not what they do. Um, maybe someday they will. I don't know, but it doesn't appear like it, right? So a lot of the traditional distributor function, which existed in the world before cloud, is still required. Somebody still has to do it. Now it's just being automated more. And what I think people are getting confused over is the ability to just acquire product and the ability to build a solution, test a solution, deploy a solution, and then do all the stuff on the back end that's required. So that's where distribution fits in all of this. And there is a partnership element. So all of the distributors are working with, you know, Google, all of them are working with AWS. They're all, of course, they all had Microsoft relationships anyway, right? But if you go look at Google, AWS, Microsoft, they all now have executives responsible for distribution relationships, right? Many of them are former channel chiefs who, you know, work for companies like HPE, et cetera. The gentleman who runs the, the Google Disty relationship actually worked for Tech Data at one point. And so you know, he knows distribution. So it's kind of evolving. And I liken it to where cloud was 10 years ago, because people were trying to figure out the whole cloud thing. And it was kind of like, okay, how's this going to play itself out? And, and how will it evolve to the point where how does it get monetized? How does it get deployed? We have, who's, who gets paid for what? Who's responsible for what? And that sorted itself out for, for a large, to a large degree. The other thing that is really significant about this, Rob, that I think is totally underestimated and people just haven't figured out yet that how important this is going to be is data. What's happening is uh, many of the distributors are building these platforms that not only include a marketplace, they also include the ability to provide both their upstream, I call upstream, you know, the work with the vet, the suppliers, downstream with, with their customers, the ability to provide them with data. And this data has been, they've been gathering this data for 25 years. I mean, think about every transaction, you know, that, that a big distributor has done with their solution provider, their customer, all this data exists. And I would argue for the most part, it hasn't been used as effectively as it will be and could be once you put a process in place to enable that. But the, the next wave that's going to happen here, and it's starting to happen already, is distributors are actually helping their customers identify opportunities and, and sell and build pipeline based on the data that they've been gathering. So example would be replacement, desktop replacements, right? Simple example. When I was running a solution provider, there was a good chance that members of my team, either because of, you know, changes in sales coverage or changes in focus or overall strategy, they didn't know that two and a half, three years ago, the following systems were deployed that are now due for a refresh, right? Distribution has all that data. And they're now starting to work with their solution providers to say, hey, have you contacted this customer recently because, you know, the following were installed, you know, two and a half, three years ago, and it's got to be ready for a refresh, right? And what are you doing to drive that? And, oh, can I help you drive that? And that's, that's going to evolve to even more significant than it is today. And it's all part of the overall platform, which is, you know, driven through a cloud, you know, a cloud uh, marketplace, if you will. Yeah. 
Well, we'll greatly welcome that. And it's really good to see that I think the collaboration now that's taking place between the hyperscalers and the disties. And and we're seeing that too. They're rolling out new programs that will include the VAD where that wasn't part of the original design. Yeah, there's no question. They are they're absolutely working together. We did a panel last year at our event in Europe and we had two of the hyperscalers there with, you know, three senior distribution executives. And it was really interesting because they, they talked about how they're working together, where they're working together. Obviously, you know, in any go-to-market scenario, there's areas that you need to continue to work on, right? I mean, people have been talking about channel conflict since I had hair and, and eyebrows that weren't turning gray, right? And, and that's always going to be there, right? But the reality is, if you can get people in a room together and they have a common mission, which is how do I get solutions and solve customer problems. How do I figure out how to get that to market? They'll figure it out. And the market is big enough and the opportunities are significant enough that there's room for everybody to play, right? There really is. And so that's what we're starting to find. I agree. I agree. You touched on this a little bit earlier. You called it out specifically in the, in the report about in the tech vendor space, this lack of channel IQ. And I've seen this my entire career. This is an area I wish I wish the the VADs would actually play a stronger role here in educating vendors. Yeah, I think part of the problem, Rob, honestly, is people take it for for granted, right? And, and you know, in other words, you know, you and I've been in this space for a long time, and we'll have a conversation, and we talk code, right? It's kind of like, oh, I use the term solution provider, you know exactly what I mean, right? I talk about channel conflict. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. There's a lot of people that don't understand that. All right, they just don't, and even folks that have been in the IT space for a long time. So I would see it for years on the supplier side with IBM, with Juniper, and with Dell. We got people that are on our sales force that just don't understand how the indirect channel works. And you just take it for granted. You'd be like, well, how could you be selling in this space for 20 years and not understand the role that Disty plays and the role that the solution provider plays? And how, how can you not understand that? Well, they don't live in it like we do. And so I think you're right. I think we could do a better job of sort of going back to the, you know, I call it channel 101 kind of stuff, right? And explain. In fact, one of the things we do at GTDC is we have an excellent training program on exactly that, DISTI 101, where we lay out, you know, here are the financials of a, of a distributor. Here's how a distributor makes money. Here's how they think about working capital. Here's how they think about, you know, deploying uh, resource or capital. Here's what they think about days of inventory. You know, all the things that matter. Some of it, frankly, might be too detailed. You know, it might be, well, you know, wait a minute, I just want to turn the key on in my car and I want it to start. I don't care what battery is in there, how the engine works, right? But it's there. And I think it's the same thing with channel IQ. I think we take it for so much for granted that people understand go to market. So I think that's a point well taken. And and maybe what we can do from a GTDC standpoint is make it easier, right? And get maybe do a back to basics kind of an approach. Because one of the things that I would encourage you and certainly our listeners here to do is go on our website. We call it a knowledge hub. And on that site, we have, you know, all the research, all the content that we've done over the past three or four years. I do a podcast every three weeks. So all those podcasts are there. And there's a tremendous repository of information that exists 
on a lot of different topics. And sometimes we bridge to the more complex and forget to just get to the basics. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely worth checking out. I'm going to do that myself. And your podcast, Beyond Distribution, how long have you been doing that? We started um, the beginning of last year. So now it's been a year and a half. Okay. And we do about every three weeks. And, uh, you know, at the beginning, I was kind of like, you know, I'm kind of an old school guy. I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't know if anybody wants to listen to me on a podcast, right? But we started doing them, and I tell you, I really enjoy it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and we do a couple things. You know, we, we do key topics, obviously. We do previews of what's to come. So, for example, when we're going to do our annual event, I'll typically interview a couple of the guests who will be speaking at the event in advance. So I've had, you know, almost every senior distribution executive from our members on over the last year and a half. I've talked to vendors and then other folks in the industry that are plugged in who have something interesting to say about, you know, what's going on. We've done a couple and we're going to continue on sustainability. It's a huge topic, particularly in Europe. It's, it's really because the EU is driving a ton of regulations around it. It's not a topic that you hear about it. But you don't really understand all the nuances until you sit for a half hour and listen to somebody who really understands it get into it. And it's like, oh, geez, there's a lot more here than you think, right? So I enjoy them. And we'll continue doing them. And like I say, we release them every three weeks. That's excellent. What else can people take advantage of that you guys are putting out there? You've mentioned a few already. Yeah, well, I think for sure there's so much in our Knowledge Hub that that's available. And if you go into the Knowledge Hub... What you've got to do is take the time to look at our research reports, which typically, you know, are 10 pages or less. And you can pretty much tell from the title, you know, what the topic is. So this one that we're, we started out talking about is uh, IT distribution accelerates emerging technology adoption and sales growth, right? So you download those or, or take a look at those and, and, you know, just about any topic is available. We've done it on the hyperscalers, you know, we've done it on sustainability, just the evolution of distribution. So that's available. Second thing uh, that I do is about once a, once every six weeks or so, we'll do a Frank's Insights kind of thing where, you know, I'll just kind of talk about what's been going on. We do a wrap up, for example, of our events. We do two major events a year, one in Europe, one in North America, usually two to three days. In total, you know, one full day of content, but everything wrapped around it. And those are really good events. And we'll wrap those up. And we've got great speakers at those. And then we have training. I briefly mentioned the training, but the training is really significant. And it's at the point where we've had a number of vendors, after they put one or two people through, have decided to do a custom class for all of the folks in their organization that work with distribution, right? And then we've also had the distributors, believe it or not, send their people through it because it's, you know, it's kind of organized in a way that it's like easy to kind of get everything. So that's proven very popular. And there's information regarding our training capabilities uh, on there. So it's really a combination of all of those. And it's all intended toward, as I said at the beginning, to educate the marketplace, primarily the supplier community on what distribution does and how they do it. We don't spend a lot of time with distributors, customers, you know, the solution providers, because we feel like distribution does a pretty good job at that, right? And, and I don't know that I can do a better job of, <laughs> of explaining to a solution provider what distribution does than distribution, right? But the vendors come at it 
from a little different approach. And so that's been our primary focus. But we also spend time with analysts. So there's a lot of industry analysts that will ask our opinion on you know, what's happening. One of the big items that we talked about last year at our event that continues to be a major uh, item is this whole idea of an ecosystem orchestrator and the fact that the distributors are really playing that role. And the ecosystems have become so important. And you know all the members of the ecosystem. You're familiar with it from your days in DISTI plus your current role. But who pulls them all together? You know, who's, who's the one galvanizing group that uh, is enable, that's able to provide that information and be the conduit? And it's distribution. And so that's something that we talk a lot about. And that was our theme last year at our event. Theme this year, this year being 2024, uh, coming up, will be this topic, will be the enabling and, and accelerating innovation. And we'll talk a lot more about it because I think it's so significant based on what is happening. And as I said earlier, I dated myself, but I've been doing this for a long time. And I can't remember a time when there's been so much happening, so much innovation. And, you know, we used to have this term years ago on the vendor side, and it's actually more relevant in the solution provider side, which was there's margin and mystery. A lot of mystery going on right now because people are trying to figure out what the hell do I do? You know, how do I deploy products? How do I ensure that they're you know, secure. How do I ensure that my op, my people that are working offsite, you know, are working in an environment that you know is safe and secure? It's incredible. It's a good time to be in the in the space. Yeah, it sure is. Well, Frank, it's been a pleasure chatting with you about this. It's always an interesting conversation. I think about distribution. It keeps evolving. I think it's still so necessary. It's an integral component of our plan. I'm eager to check out that training. I might want to take advantage of that for folks on our team to to better understand it. So, last question. Outside of work, Frank, what do you like to do? What kind of adventures do you go on? Yeah, you know, I used to think that someday I could be a really good golfer. And I've, I've abandoned that thought, right? I enjoy a lot of, you know, family activity. We live down in Florida during the winter now because I, I'm an outdoor kind of guy and I really just like being out, you know, but I also like the weather being, you know, cooperating. I grew up in the Boston area and, and left years ago, partly because, you know, I just didn't like the cold weather. So I'm out a lot. I do a lot of outdoor activity, whether it's walking, biking, hiking, playing golf. But, you know, the family stuff is really important to me. And uh, I learned a long time ago, you, there's got to be a kind of a work-life balance. I, I had a boss that used to tell me for years, let me tell you, when you get old, and by the way, I'm now there, you're not going to remember that stupid conference call that, you know, you were prepping for, for to, you know, none of that's going to matter. What's going to matter is friends, family, and those experiences. So you try to remember all of that. And to me, that's the stuff that, you know, that's important. Yeah, I totally agree. But I also love the industry, you know, and I have tried to retire a couple of times and just got bored and just like this, right? I love this kind of stuff, talking to people, meeting, you know, new folks, you know, you and I met two weeks ago for the first time. And, and I like that. And, uh, and that's, you'd be amazed at how close knit this industry really is. It is. It is great friendships. Did you ever golf, uh, with Mark Taylor or Shannon McWilliams? I did. And let me tell you, let me tell you how bad it was. Not only did I golf with Mark and Shannon, but I golfed with Shannon's daughter. And it was the most embarrassing day of my life because she's playing from the blue tees and I'm in the gold tees and she's out driving me by 40 yards and I'm thinking oh 
God, what have I gotten myself into here? So, yes, <laughs> I have played with those folks. Well, they, they convinced me that golf was not my game. Uh, yeah, exactly. You quickly realize this isn't fun, right? One thing I will tell you, though, that's happened to me recently that's really been wonderful is my age has now evolved into my golf game. And what I mean by that is I can very comfortably now play the senior tees, which I need to be playing. <laughs> so I don't even try anymore to play, you know, the tips or the whites or, you know, sometimes the goals. But, but yeah, I've played at an event. I think it was an Arrow event with Shannon and Mark and Shannon's daughter. It's just bad. No, totally different level. I... I'm sticking to putt-putt golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Frank, great conversation. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah, Rob, I enjoyed it, and you and I will need to stay in touch if that works for you. Yeah, I would love it. That's great. All right, cheers, Frank. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends, and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. All right, guys, there you go. Thank you, Frank, for a fun and insightful conversation on distribution. I agree that there's a very important role that DISTIs can play in driving innovation and sales growth in the SaaS world. In fact, I'm in Nashville this week at the Ingram One event and seeing a lot of really interesting work they're doing to enhance their value as an ecosystem orchestrator. For all of today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com cj123. There you can find a link to that GTDC research report that we've been talking about. You can also subscribe to Channel Journeys while you're there so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Impartner. Be sure to check them out at impartner.com. Many more awesome episodes coming up, so stay tuned. Until then, have an awesome channel journey.